I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Welcome to 1,000 Wives of Weird, the podcast where we discuss everything weird, mostly movies. My name is Billy Martell, and with me as always is... Brad Hefner. And today, we're going to be doing a first for the show. We're going to start talking about a famous creator of weird movies, Frank Henenlotter, mm-hmm. by discussing his very first commercial full-length movie, Yes, Basket he, Case. He had a short film about being uncircumcised before yes, this. which involved most of the cast members from this movie. He's sort of like a John Waters where he'll reuse cast members over and over oh, again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's... he's there's, a, there's a lot of overlap between him and John Waters in terms of, like... Especially the sort of the the feel of this movie feels a lot yes. like bits that I've seen from Pink Flamingos and stuff like that, like early John Waters. Yes, Basket Case is probably one of the more popular movies that we've talked about on the show. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's, it's still a cult movie, but it's it it's very popular to the people who know it. Exactly. And it is definitely one of those movies where if you are in horror circles at all. You've at least heard something about it. Yes. Uh, it was featured on as a gag on uh, the, sh- the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? Really? In, in their game, they have a game called Newsflash where a character will stand in front of a green screen and report on something that they can't see. Yes. And try and guess what it is. And Colin Mockery was in front of it, and it was just a bunch of scenes, heavily censored scenes, but scenes of Belial popping out of the basket. <laughs> <laughs> the original concept for the movie came because... Frank, Frank Henenlotter just had all these baskets around. <laughs> exactly. He, he was in a wicker prison. He was actually... He got his start making wicker baskets. Yep. And, and then like, he was like, what if there was a monster in the in there? <laughs> I just scared myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, what actually happened was he was talking with his producer, who was just a friend of his who had more money than him, and the producer friend was like, hey, do you want to make a movie? And he said, yes. What would the movie be called? And, and he, he saw a basket, and he saw a briefcase, and he said, basket brief. He just No, <laughs> basket case. He just rattled off a bunch of names for being crazy, and basket case was one of them. And the guy said, that sounds good. What would that be about? And he said, I don't know, a guy with a basket with a monster inside? And that's the movie. Uh, from there, it just like we've talked about with me and my dick, uh, they, they just yes-anded themselves from that point on into a full script. I first heard about this movie back in the day when uh, I used to watch I Love the 80s 3D. Okay. They had an entire segment about basket case. And I was so young at the time that it just seemed like the scariest idea ever. This could be a trigger warning. I think that there are some people who get upset about stuff like this. This movie is about conjoined twins. Yes. That idea of of separated conjoined twins going crazy. There's something about that that really bothered me. I don't know why. Well, it's double the trouble. But now that I've seen Imprint... I was like, well, it can't be more freaky than that. No. Just the tiny the tiny hand sister on top of her head going, la, 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 la. Yeah. 
Mr. Hamburger Helper back there. <laughs> but that's what, and that's a point of this podcast is once you see something fucked up, right? You're changed forever. You become yeah. a little bit more numb. You become a little bit more numb to it. But I, I had no fear going into Basket Case any longer. So again, we basically have already spoiled it. But the plot of the movie is: there's a guy. He has a basket. Inside the basket is his previously conjoined twin brother, yes. Belial, named after the demon, who is now a little lumpy monster man yeah. who pops out and they're going on a revenge spree killing some folks. He sort of looks like if a Geodude oh my God, yes. were made out of saggy flesh. Right. Or as my wife said when she walked in on me watching this movie, is that Slimer's shitty brother? <laughs> Yeah, and he also has like a very iconic scream. I think what most people remember him for is the scream. He's, he's it's it's the actor who plays his twin brother screaming into an electronic modulating machine, and it's 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 a pretty iconic sound. But yeah, it's it's a super low budget, super sleazy movie mm-hmm. made by one of the most popular sleaze meisters of our day, Frank yes. Henenlotter. Brad, would you recommend Basket Case? No. Okay. Basket Case. I I wanted to watch Basket Case because of its infamy. Of its of its infamy and just its place in film history and how influential it is on people, like how much it sticks with people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't always watch movies because I think I'll enjoy them. I'll watch them because I want to understand film better. Right. And something I did that with were a couple films from Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yes. I don't enjoy Herschel Gordon Lewis. I and there are very few people who do. But I want to see more of it because I want to understand the man more, want to understand the culture he created by creating the first gore film. Yeah. For those who don't know, Herschel Gordon Lewis is known as the father of gore. The he, godfather of gore. The godfather of gore. He essentially popularized he, the idea that cheap movies could be made more popular by adding more blood. Yes. <laughs> Herschel Gordon Lewis's first film was called Blood Feast, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of Blood Feast vibes in Basket Case. Oh, yeah. Frank Henlotter is a huge fan of Herschel Gordon Lewis. The film is dedicated to Herschel Gordon yes. Lewis. So I I, 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 I appreciated seeing it mm-hmm. so I could understand it. And I'm, I watched another Frank Henlotter movie, which we might talk about a little bit later. Sure. Much like you did with the guy who made Deerskin uh, to like kind of Content understand... understand where this stands in his oeuvre. Exactly. And I yeah. wish I had time to watch some of his more other, like the more popular ones. Sure. And part of my problem with going into Basket Case, and this is not the fault of the movie. Mm-hmm. I first heard Frank Hedenlander's name. I probably heard the movies, Frank and Hooker, especially before. Right. But Jay Bauman on Red Letter Media right. once said something about that's some perverted Frank Henlotter shit. That's some fucked up Frank Henlotter shit. Something like that. Something so like, like that. And Jay Bauman is also of the Red Letter Media crew. He's probably the one who talks about really weird esoteric cinema the yeah, most. Yeah, he's a huge Lynch fan. Yeah, so he we, we generally kind of look to him when we watch those videos. Yeah, so I was like, oh man, I'm going to see some fucked up shit. Right. And Basket Case is pretty tame. Uh, yes, it, uh, uh, it kind of is, yeah. It's... And it's super compared low. to a lot of the stuff that we've seen. Yes, and it's super low budget, mm-hmm. which isn't a terrible thing, but it's not maximized the way some other filmmakers do. Right. Watch it for its place in film history, mm-hmm. and not necessarily because you're going to see anything particularly amazing. 
If you want to see something incredibly fucked up, <laughs> watch Frank Henlotter's, his most recent horror film, I guess it's a horror film, called Bad Biology, which we will probably talk about on the podcast, but it is one of the most fucked up things I've ever seen. <laughs> which is saying something. Yes. Yeah. It's about a woman with seven clits who's a nymphomaniac and believes that God had made her this way because she's supposed to have God's babies. <laughs> And there's a guy with a gigantic sentient penis. Sure. And that's the kind of stuff that I was expecting. In in Basket going Case. Going into Basket Case. Sure. But what about you, Billy? Would you recommend Basket Case? I was really surprised when you told me. he, he We talked about the film a little bit before we recorded. Mm-hmm. And, and Brad told me that he didn't like the movie because I loved this movie. Oh, good. Like, I legitimately really enjoyed it. And I I have no problem recommending this movie. It is important to point out that this is not a straight-up horror movie. It's this, a horror comedy. This is a horror comedy. This is a black comedy. There's it, it's, it's very clear that the stuff... That the, the 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 makers of this film are very amateur, and they know that they're amateur. But even considering that they are coming from a, a place of very little education, very little experience, they are really throwing their all into this movie. Yes. And they are taking advantage of everything that they can to make this movie. And the passion behind that, and the as I said, it, it feels like... You're watching a horse. You said it feels like you're yes. watching a Herschel Gordon Lewis film. I said it kind of feels like sometimes you're watching a John Waters movie. I have never seen a John Waters movie. I've only seen like little clips and pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. And I I have seen little bits and pieces of Herschel Gordon Lewis, and I know that his movies come off as the laziest shit. Yeah, uh, Herschel uh, Gordon Lewis did not give a shit about the movies he was making. Right. This uh, movie feels like someone making a movie on the same level as Herschel Gordon Lewis, but even though they have only about the same amount of resources as Herschel, taking so much more effort and care on each scene to make sure that the characters and the themes of the story stand out, and and even the humor of how bad... Like, they... they I've never seen a amateur filmmaker draw attention to how bad their film is more in with more intentionality than this movie, which is really funny. To just to just take like yeah none of us can act let's really lean into the fact that none of us can act and it's obvious that this doctor's office is just some random warehouse in New York somewhere. See, I never got that vibe. Um, yeah, I never got like the tongue in cheek like winking vibe. I will say this though. Well, maybe I can point it out to you as we're going along. Absolutely. Yeah, this is head and shoulders above any Herschel Gordon Lewis movie that I've okay, seen. Okay. Yeah, it's. I completely believe that Frank Henlotter watched Herschel Gordon Lewis movies <laughs> and didn't realize that Herschel Gordon Lewis just wanted to make money. He's like, yeah, gore! Yeah! What an artist! <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there is a lot more care. The effects aren't great. No, they're not, they're not it's, good. It's Oftentimes, the gore more... effects in this movie are actually made from the food that the cast was eating on set really there's a scene where a character is eating pizza and then later on in, in a couple scenes later in the same location the care the same character is killed and the gore effects are utilize the same pizza he was eating earlier nice yeah it just it's it's better than herschel gordon lewis but as you had already seen herschel gordon lewis this did not provide anything new for your palate it just it was more just like this is fine this right. is fine i consider it 
essential for film canon, non-essential for just I'm watching whatever the fuck. If you're a nerd, you need to watch it. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's let's clarify also that you have seen a ton of movies. Yes. So a lot of times when you're watching a movie, it's more important to you that you get something new than That's... it is to to like just just have another of the same shit that you've seen before. That's a big part of what I seek in movies. And yeah. any movie that does that is going to give me an extra charge. When I am on Letterboxd and I'm making doing ratings, like if I'm seeing something I've never seen before, that's a Imme- higher rating. Immediately, immediately. gets higher ratings, um, yeah. But I can still enjoy a regular-ass film. Sure. Um, that Thing You Do <laughs> is a fantastic movie. It's a, it's a great movie. That's a regular... That's the most... <laughs> If you were to, like, if the government were to issue a movie, <laughs> if, like, the Swiss government, okay. if, like, a quality government, a quality were government. to issue, like, here, you 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 have a house, yeah. you need a movie, you need at least one movie, we're going to give you that yeah. thing you do. One of the essential parts of the concept behind that thing you do is that it is one of the most boilerplate plots. Like, that's an, an yes. intentional aspect of the film is that the plot is incredibly boilerplate but my point is yeah i can still enjoy a regular movie right. i can still but i just this one didn't do it for you it, it no it didn't and that's and fine i'm definitely curious to see more frank henlotter like i said if you ever want to bring brain damage or something on sure i would probably watch it before then but... i mean like i said i really enjoyed this movie so i am at and i know that you Oh yeah, bad biology. Really fucked over by bad biology. So one way or another, Frank Henlotter will be on the show again. Yes. Yeah. So let's let's get into it. Uh, just before we before we jump into the plot, there are a couple of behind the scenes bits to talk about. When the film was originally completed, the the final version that was released to theaters, I don't know what exactly was wrong with it. I've heard different reports about it but whatever it was the 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 picture the quality of the film was completely fucked over oh no and so the version that people have seen for years is a very damaged copy the film has been recently re-released by its new permanent home the moma the museum of modern art in new york city they have ownership of the film now and with the help of frank hennelager they remastered the entire thing and re-released it. So now every version that you see, no matter where you watch it, on Blu-ray, on YouTube, on Tubi, it always has extra thing at the beginning, which says this is on this is from the MoMA, and at the end there's extra credits listing a whole bunch of people that worked on restoring, re- restoring the film. And uh, apparently Frank Hanelotter was involved in restoring it, and he told them to just... He's like, don't make it look good. Make it look like a cartoon. Because <laughs> <laughs> Frank Hanelotter actually has a vision and actually gives a shit about what yes, he's doing. he does give a shit. He wrote the film apparently while walking the streets of New York City, which... Uh, <laughs> Everybody's talking at me. Yeah. it's He called New York a seedy, wonderful atmosphere. And this movie is known as kind of a time capsule of a very specific time in New York. Yeah. That's that's something I really enjoy yeah. about 80s sleaze movies set in New York. Is that you get to see 80s New York. <laughs> before Giuliani cleaned everything up. Right. And it's just like... 
sex show, sex show. Oh yeah. Um, there's li- the literal opening scene of well, there's a, there's another scene, but the first scene where we see our main character Dwayne, he's walking down the street just past like acres and acres of smut and there's a guy who comes up to him and offers him every drug you've ever heard of and every depravity known to man he's just like what, what do you want girls you want smack you want this you want that and then finally when when Dwayne doesn't respond he's just like hey fuck you man and then wanders off one of my favorite performances <laughs> in the movie it's a great moment the tertiary characters or where the best acting is honestly bizarrely. yeah no there there's some great side characters in this movie the film was shot literally a scene at a time over the course of a year. They would shoot a scene. That would be all of their money. Then they would break up, go do their own separate things. Frank Henlager would then call everybody, say, Hey guys, I found money somewhere. They would come back together, shoot another scene, and then they would all break up again. And this took a year. <laughs> I Movies I always want to make are... Because true stories, when they're dramatized... Yeah. Four movies are so fake. So I just fake. want to make up a fake true story about Frank Henlotter trying to finance Basket Case. Yeah. Either by doing like Joker style crime heist. <laughs> oh my God. How... Or, or trying to hook on the streets of New York. <laughs> that you could probably get Frank Henlotter to produce that for you. <laughs> I don't think it'd be hard to get Frank Henlotter to produce much of anything. <laughs> No, but I think an idea of Frank Henenlotter producing a movie where it's like a deerskin style progression where he <laughs> first he's just ripping people off, he's hooking, and then eventually he just starts murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> There's a monster in the basket, you'll understand. <laughs> it's not me, it's the movie. It needs to be made. It's making me kill. Yeah, his attitude when making the movie was, I have $35,000, I just want to make a movie, nobody will ever see this. (laughs) And now it's in the MoMA. Uh, The movie opens with a a classic horror cliche scene. Mm -hmm. Guy is walking to his car at night, uh, and his house is surrounded by trees, and suddenly there's a rustling in the forest, and he's he's freaking out. He's (laughs) like, what's going on? And immediately, you can tell the acting in this movie is going to be something special. Yes. Just all of this guy's lines are... How would you describe the acting in this movie? Like, um, it's, it's, it's a special kind of bad. It's sub-community theater. Sub-community theater. It's, yeah. These are people who are not used to acting. Like, no. Which is funny, because apparently some of them came from a local acting school. Well, I hope that school got shut down. Wow. That's not an acting school. (laughs) That's a front for cult recruit. I mean, it is hard to tell the difference sometimes. Yes. This guy's like, oh, God, what's there? Who's there? 911? Hello? Yeah, no, it's not good. It's not good at all. But yeah, so the man, he's walking out to his car alone, he hears some noises, he runs back in the house, he tries to call the police, but he gets distracted by more noises, <laughs> and like, waits with a phone line open to the police for like a really long time, until whatever shadowy being out there manages to cut the police telephone line, and he's like, hello, hello, what happened? And then he's killed. <laughs> he's killed by a hand that couldn't be faker. <laughs> If it belonged to a snake. Right. One of my favorite reviews of this movie said... I I looked up 
like a lot more than I usually do for this movie because I well, wanted you to, loved it. I I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to get in. The, every behind-the-scenes story I found about this movie was more interesting than the last. Yeah. So I just kept going. And one of my favorite reviews that I read of the movie said, the movie does n- never shows Belial for the first half hour, and then it never stops showing Belial for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And, yeah, but there is, like, a bit of a build-up for the first half hour of the movie where you don't see Belial. Every time in this first part of the movie, or any part of the movie where you only see Belial's hand... The hand is played by Frank Henenlotter himself. Oh, cool. They they had different versions of the body of Belial, some of which were at, were accidentally so small because they didn't know what they were doing, the costume literally shrunk. So at certain scenes of this movie, Belial is operated by a, a little someone's little girl okay. that they brought on set. They're like, some, anybody have a kid who can fit in this? <laughs> How do you explain that scenario to a child? <laughs> well, here's how a do you explain what's going on. You're going to tear this woman apart in this scene. I do not know which scenes the little girl is operating Belial in, but yeah, unseen Belial rips this guy apart, and there's a great moment where we see uh, some blood splatter off. The the, the 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 death happens mostly off camera, and the blood splatter hits a file folder in the frame uh, on his desk. And that's when I knew how heavily inspired by Herschel Gordon Lewis this was. Really? Yeah, I could tell that early because I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought just the fact that it was on 16mm with terrible acting and blood, that I was mean, obviously ketchup just smeared on a guy's face, that that already would be Herschel Gordon Lewis. This came out in 81. It did. So by that point, there had been a lot of movies shot on 16mm <laughs> with terrible acting. <laughs> With horrible-looking blood. But that is that is a Herschel Gordon-Lewis blood splatter. Okay. All right. That's very specifically a Herschel Gordon-Lewis blood, blood splatter. But yeah, we see the blood land on the file folder, which is a, a shot that exists in a lot of horror movies where they want to show... They don't want to show the monster yet, so you have a death happen off-screen and blood splatters on something. Well, it's also a way to get around having to do the effect of the person being mutilated right and also to get around uh, ratings right but there's a lot of horror movies that that do this scene but this movie actually incorporates this moment very intelligently into a later scene but we'll we'll, we will get to that this is where we get to see Dwayne walking down the streets in new york everybody's talking at me do you know what that's a reference to? I do to? not know what that's Midnight a reference Cowboy. to. Midnight Cowboy. Well, I've only seen, I've only heard one song. Okay. So, you know. Yeah, true. Right. But, um, yeah, so so he's he's walking down the street. He comes to a, a seedy hotel, which he says later was the first hotel that he saw. And here we meet my favorite character. <laughs> which of the many gr- fantastic characters in this hotel lobby True, this is like a, this is like a fucking Tom Waits hotel <laughs> full of characters. This this hotel is is I want a whole TV show set in this in this fucking hotel or as the one as the I'm, I'm is is it is it the the hotel clerk the desk yes. clerk of course of course, of course. the hotel manager <laughs> is fucking amazing he's fucking he's like Bob Hoskins as Mario from the Super Mario Brothers movie he's hilarious. He's fucking great. He's like if Bob Hoskins were just made out of like pork rind. And not just let me let me clarify that. Yeah. 
if Bob Hoskins were made out of the vibe of pork rind. <laughs> As we've said, this movie was made on a budget of almost nothing. Like, $35,000 is nothing in movie word language. This man is a strong bully who has dealt with too much shit. <laughs> At one point, my... My favorite line from him, the line that like encapsulates his character, and I would want this line to be in the theme song for the TV show that sit around this hotel, is him being, this isn't a hotel, it's a madhouse! Oh my yeah. god, I fucking, oh, I fucking love this hotel. You don't have to have your conjoined twin in a basket <laughs> to live here, but it helps. So the outside of the hotel is an actual hotel in New York City. Okay. When they get inside, the lobby area was some building that they found that had an open elevator shaft. And his office, his little office with his desk, that's an elevator. Really? Yeah, that they dress. They that's had, wonderful. They had nothing when they made this movie. But yeah, so so they go into the, the, the CD hotel and... They're talking about someone that they know named Dirty Lou, who they describe as looking like Sluggo in the comics. Yeah. Who I had to look up because I didn't know who Sluggo From was. From Nancy. From Nancy, yeah. Who I guess is a character in that story who comes from the the wrong side of the tracks yeah. and lives in like an abandoned house somewhere. Yeah. He might be like just an abandoned child. Oh, old comic strips. But apparently it doesn't matter because Dirty Lou is dead. He committed suicide by taxi cab. Oh, that's right. He stepped out in front. <laughs> he hailed the taxi. Yes. And which I would think a taxi that was coming up to the curb would not be going fast enough to kill a man. Right. But I can assume only assume that uh, Dirty Lou's bones are made out of China. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a healthy man. <laughs> I like to imagine that Dirty Lou is is played by John Candy <laughs> in my head. Dwayne comes into the movie and he says uh, that he wants a room. The the hotel guy says, just for yourself. And he says, yes, just me, myself, alone. Just me, one room, me. Me, me and my basket, my empty <laughs> basket. <laughs> well, he says, the basket... This is the first time he's asked what's in the basket. He will be asked many times again. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the basket? As Casey says, what's in the basket? And he says, clothes. But he, he pays for the room with a huge stack of bills. Yeah, where did he get this money? That is never discussed. I assume that we find out later that what prompted him to finally go on this revenge quest after years and years of wanting revenge was that there aunt died who had taken care of them for mm -hmm. all those years and they decided well might as well go out and murder well my conscience is gone <laughs> nothing exactly. to stop me from taking revenge now right so maybe she left them a bunch of money if that's it's the possible. case it was never stated and it is kind of a big plot hole that they put so much emphasis on the fact that he has just a wad of cash yeah it's, it's like an actual plot point and this just is, is never explained. I assume it's from Bitcoin. Oh yeah, 80s Bitcoin was... was yeah. That was when Bitcoin was at the at its peak. I think 80s Bitcoins was just Micro Machine. Which is why that the Micro Machine man is loaded today. Yeah. Right. Because he got paid in Micro Machines. Because he got paid in Micro Machines. <laughs> I'll do it for exposure and Micro Machines. Yeah, every, everyone who's ever played Ronald McDonald has been paid exclusively in Happy Meals. Yeah. He pays for the room with this huge stack of bills, which of course gets a lot of attention from yeah. the people around. You don't want to do that in 80s New York. No. You don't want to be seen to have like a, a lot of cash on you. As the character 
goes upstairs. He runs into this lady who I don't think we ever get a name for. One of the characters calls the crazy lady across the hall. So I yeah. just thought of her as that. She's a lady in, in, in a green dress with, with a lot of makeup. And she says, what room are you in? He says, room number seven. And she, and she tells this long, involved story about this old woman who used to live in the room as they're walking up the stairs. And then when she gets to the end of the story, which is a very, which is a big anticlimax. Yeah. She finishes her story, turns around very abruptly and just leaves. And I thought she was like buttering him up to con him out of the money. Right. Yeah. No. No. She, she has no point. No point. She just had a, a story to tell and she turns around so abruptly and leaves that even Dwayne is looking around like, is the scene over? Do I have to leave? <laughs> and that's, this is the moment that I fell in love with this movie. <laughs> because, like, it's such a, the moment is such a, an obvious, like, screenwriting moment. Like, this is a moment that would be in so many other movies, but there would be, like, some sort of, like, dialogue after it where she was, where she would be like, oh, well, I guess I'll leave you to it now, or walked off. But no, her moment is done, she turns around, she fucking leaves, and even the character is looking around like, what a what a pointless moment. But here's the thing. In most other movies, if that happened, if that yeah. fucking pointless scene happened, <laughs> you would be pissed off. I if If they drew attention to it that much... I don't think I would be. You're telling when, me. When was the last time that you saw a character literally like get to the end of a speech, turn around, t- just do an about face, and just walk off set? Deerskin. And we love Deerskin. Okay. Deerskin is fucking hilarious. Okay. <laughs> fine. It's a fine moment. Also, when did in Deerskin did someone do that? Ciao. Ciao. Um, oh, oh, yeah, Chow, he just walks up. Yeah, and that's fucking funny. It, this, yeah. is, this is an intentional joke. Okay. <laughs> so our, our hero, as he's walking by, he sees one of my favorite characters, and one of most people's favorite characters from this movie, from what I've been able to glean, Casey. Casey's great. Casey's wonderful. Casey's also one of Frank Hedenlogger's favorite characters, because the actress who plays her is in every one of his movies that he made since then. Oh, sweet. And she almost always plays a character named Casey. Sweet. And this actress, she was cast in the movie because he saw her in a play with Divine. Awesome. Yes. And she is a was a stand-up comedian, and she even wrote her own one-woman show around the character of Casey many years <laughs> later called Casey 30 Years Later. And she loved she loved the character of Casey so much, and she loved her fans. Wonderful. She unfortunately did pass away this past year, but apparently she was just a a, a fantastic force in the underground cinema scene for years. Sweet. So good for her, and she's great in this movie. But yeah, so our hero moves into his hotel room. We see him talk to and eventually feed something in the basket. With uh, I hope it's not a monster. I hope it's not a monster. I hope it's something fun like a puppy. I don't know. It's making a lot of noises. So I don't. I don't think it's probably a puppy. Well, I've never owned a dog, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) You know, I don't know what sounds the dog makes. We never had that conversation in preschool. Exactly. Yeah. What does the dog say? So chaos reigns. Finish him. <laughs> As Dwayne is feeding Belial in the basket, ooh, spoilers for something we already talked about. Yep. He pulls out 
the folder that we saw the blood splatter on. And this is a really creative, in my opinion, use of reincorporation. Like a lot of movies like this on this state quality, especially Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, you will you would never see that file folder come up again no you're right the only reason why it's there is like we said to save on the budget so they just they just have someone off camera with a ketchup bottle splotch and it lands on whatever random shit but this time they they had it land on that folder and then not only do we know that they have a folder and that he's got a creepy basket but we know for a fact that this is the folder from that office yes so this is the guy that did the thing and he opens up the folder and finds the contact information for all these doctors. So this is like little things like this, not just the fact that there was a pretty bad moment of, of a weird shift of tone earlier, but like little moments of, of like reincorporation and, and these little inclusions in every scene that really made me love it because you could, in, in to my mind, it showed that no matter how little resources they had, they were still paying attention to the mise-en-scene. They were still paying attention to the craft of telling this story in a way that a lot of filmmakers with big budgets don't do. True. So they, they're they looking for two more doctors, a doctor named... Cutter. Ne- Cutter and a doctor named Needleman, mm-hmm. which is f- fucking stupid that they named their doctors that. Well... <laughs> You understand why they named him that? Like you get the joke. Oh, I right? get the joke. Okay, I wanted yeah. to make sure. It's 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 really funny. It's just a yeah. stupid joke. <laughs> but yeah, so later that night, whatever was in the basket is pacing around the room, and apparently getting into an argument. What am with I going to do with all these bills? Apparently getting into an argument with Dwayne, but we don't hear his side of the conversation. It's eventually revealed that because they're twins, they have a psychic connection. Yes. So then there is uh, definitely a shot that they didn't make, some sort of helicopter shot of the New York skyline Mm -hmm. that they definitely bought from somewhere, which shows the two towers. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) What if Basket Case were the only (laughs) film that had the two towers in it? Oh, my God. And so if people wanted to see footage of the Twin Towers, (laughs) they had to watch Basket Case. Oh my god. <laughs> it was just like just nothing. Just yeah. 1970s King Kong, nothing. Just just just, just basket Any uh, New York skyline before 2001. <laughs> any, any of the Superman movies they Everyone cut. was just like we don't need this on film. Everybody knows Everybody it. Everybody knows about and the And Frank was like get them babies on there. <laughs> this is going to be important someday. The next day we have a long handheld tracking shot which I did not understand why it was there, of the hotel hallway. We've got a dolly track. We're going to use a dolly track. <laughs> That's why it's there. Yes, but then we find out that uh, this old older fella who was downstairs in the lobby when he was waving all his cash around is now spying on his hotel room trying to find a way to snooker some cash. Peeking through the keyholes. Peeking through the keyholes. And... He is scared off by Casey in her first lines in the movie. She scares him off and delivers a quick monologue about how how sassy she is and how annoyed with everyone she is. And then she uh, she knocks on the door, tells Dwayne to, to be careful, has a, a brief moment where, where Dwayne introduces himself so we finally know his name, we know her name, and then exits the scene. 
again, Casey is is a delight in this movie. Yes, she's, she's got a lot of personality, and uh, as someone an, another review pointed out, she is one of the only. She she's a, a rare prostitute character who the film doesn't need to justify being there and never has sex with the main character. Is she a prostitute? She is a prostitute, yes. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, well, the first time we see her when he's coming in, there's like a John literally like inspecting her rump mm. like a piece of meat, and and she goes in winking at Dwayne. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, she's, she's a prostitute character, but the film never apologizes for it, and... There's never like a, but she's got a heart of gold. She's just, she's, she's just, just Casey. She's just the best character in the movie. She's just the best character in the movie, aside from uh, oh, Bob the Hoskins. Hotel yeah, yeah, aside from Bob Hoskins. But yes, so let's see here. The actress who played Casey's name was Beverly Bonner. I, okay. I forgot to mention that before. Dwayne goes to the office of a doctor. Again, as I mentioned before, these buildings are so run down and obviously not doctor's offices. He goes to the office of this doctor. Again, these buildings are, are really run down. Uh, Doctor Needleman's secretary is is a is a bit of a ditz. Yes, she's she's definitely one of the most uh, over the top actors in the film. Yeah, that's a kind way to put it. And she immediately gets attracted to Dwayne. How could you not be? How could you not be? Dwayne is giving off such strong Martin vibe. He is kind of like a, a shittier Martin performance. Yeah, um, <laughs> like all, all of the intricacies and the like, the little subtleties of Martin's portrayal. Imagine if like you just took those away, yeah. <laughs> but where you were still playing the same kind of. Imagine character. if it was still awkward and yeah. squirrely and off-putting, right? And, and just honest- irresistible to women. <laughs> Honestly, the guy who plays him, and I have his name written down here somewhere in my notes, but not anywhere I'm going to go searching for it, and I'll just say it later. He's yeah, actually one of the... fuck st- this guy. Yeah, fuck this guy. But he's actually one of the stronger actors in the movie. Yeah. Given grading on the curve that is Basket Case. He's sure. He's one of the stronger performers. Sure. But, yeah. But, yeah, no, he's he's, he's no Martin. But, uh, so the, the, the receptionist whose name is Carol. That's her name. They never say her name, I think, in the movie, but in the credits, she's credited as Carol. But she she is, thinks he's there to cr- fix a typewriter. Yeah. And she does a impression of the typewriter because it was making, like, chirping noises. She's going to go... Bow, 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 which is one of my favorite moments in the movie, just watching her do that. The actress who plays Carol is wearing a blonde wig throughout the movie. Is she? You you couldn't tell? No. It's 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 a pretty obvious blonde wig. I just <laughs> appreciated her pretty hair. Okay. The reason why she was wearing a blonde wig is that she was actually a punk rocker and was bald. Oh nice. Yeah. So she she they they just brought in this bald wig and, and put it on her and, and brought her into the movie. But yeah, so so he he's like I'm I'm not here to correct the the typewriter. I'm an old friend of Dr. Needleman's could you pencil me in? And she sees no problem with that. She she pencils him in, and he says, "Just just pencil me in under the name Smith. That way I can surprise him." She then asks him if what he's doing in New York. He says, "This is my first time." She says, "Have you seen any of the sites?" He said, "Oh, I haven't had time." And she gets really offended by this. Yeah, 
just just really out of nowhere. Why don't by you this. go to all the touristy places that New Yorkers <laughs> never go to? She's like, have you have you? She says, have you seen the Statue of Liberty? And he says, I haven't had the time. And she's like, oh, what about the UN? Had time for that? She's just really upset. And then when he says, oh, I'm, I'm, it's not that I don't want to. I just don't know where they're at. I just don't know where they're at. And suddenly she's all sweetness again. She's like, well, I'd be happy to show oh, you. Why didn't you say so sooner, fuckface? Now I'm going <laughs> to suck your dick off. Essentially, that is the character arc in yeah. this scene. I, I, don't, I don't know how intentionally crazy this performance was supposed to be, but I, I find it very amusing. Dr. Needleman is now introduced. He's a he's a real greasy fucker. I wish Dr. Need- Needleman had been played by Howard Hessman. <laughs> I was thinking that it was a great part for uh, Steve Buscemi, because he already kind of looks like Steve Buscemi. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he, he invites Dwayne in and then tells him to take his shirt off in... Incredibly creepy way. He yeah. just he's just sort of like winking at well, him. He's like smacking his lips. He's... Needleman is super sleazy to begin with. Oh yeah, and and this is the guy I mentioned earlier who's eating pizza, and then eventually we will see that pizza coming out of him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he he tells he tells Dwayne to take his shirt off because Dwayne says that he has a problem with his chest, and when he takes his shirt off, we see a huge yeasty looking scar and. This is where I wrote Dwayne is part bread because it looks like someone just sort of uh, yeah it's a very sort of like, weird effect it's like there was a teleporter accident with a <laughs> loaf of crusty Italian bread like really crusty day old Italian bread yes I I did not make that connection but now that you say that that's all I'm going to be thinking of whenever I see this scene but, oh man I wish Belial had been Italian. <laughs> He has a little mustache. Has a mustache. And his little hand keeps going like yeah, the hand like. Mamma mia! Mamma mia! Woohoo! Oh man, we keep making Mario references in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so on his way out, he he sees the receptionist again. She says, "Was he surprised?" And another one of my favorite deliveries. He says. Oh, yeah. He was surprised. Again, how can you not be instantly attracted to that? <laughs> how can you not? Just the, the sheer sexual magnetism that is Dwayne. Also, Dwayne carries around a giant basket. Yeah. Mystery. <laughs> Mystery. That's alluring to women. Intrigue. Mm-hmm. The biggest hair you've ever seen. But he, she asks Dwayne out. And he accepts, but only after putting the basket on the other side of the room and whispering to her. <laughs> I wish he had put his hands on the side of the basket. Oh my! Like he was covering Belial's ears. Yeah, I don't know how this matters because Belial is psychic. So true. I mean, I guess he doesn't hear everything that. Dwayne also, is he doesn't have thinking. fucking ears. No, he doesn't have fucking ears, but he also doesn't have a dick, and that doesn't stop him later. But anyway, we then cut to Dwayne sitting with his basket in a in a low rent movie theater somewhere, watching a kung fu movie, which I believe is called The Bodyguard. Oh, okay. At least in the credits, it says footage from The Bodyguard, and I didn't see Kevin Costner, so ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So although the end of this movie could be set to uh, "I Will Always Love You," uh, anyway, this whole movie <laughs> should be set to Whitney Houston songs. <laughs> I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> When he pops during the during when Dwayne is about to have sex and it pops mm-hmm. out, that's when you use that song. <laughs> I want to dance with somebody. 
Also when he's molesting Casey later. But yeah. we're, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So I'm watching this Kung Fu movie. Dwayne is apparently not into it because he's starting to pass out. He's starting to fall asleep. And some guy who I think is supposed to be a junkie because he keeps itching his arm. That's Probably. usually how movies communicate junkies. He goes up to steal the basket. He goes into some men's room somewhere, opens a basket, and is immediately mauled. Mm-hmm. Martin mauled. Martin mauled. Dwayne hears the noises, runs after them, and, and gathers up the basket, and he tells <laughs> he tells Belial, save it, save it. Obviously talking about Belial's virginity. Right. <laughs> no, Bel- Belial's Wait like, for the right woman. You don't understand. This man is the hottest thing I've ever seen. That night, Dwayne and his basket sneak back into Dr. Needleman's building. Dr. Me- Needleman has been trying to call someone all day. Finally reaches Dr. Cutter, who is a, a woman who is trying to get a young, handsome man drunk off his ass. Yes. She says, the guy says, if, if, if I keep drinking, I'm going to, uh, and she says, don't worry. It's cute when you're sloppy. <laughs> yeah. Keeps filling up his drink. No, she wants to fuck. She wants to fuck and she wants him to be unsure about what he did the next day. And this is another scene that <laughs> largely has no point. Other but... than to show that Cutter is just a gross person. Yes. <laughs> um, but since Dr. Cutter is a bigger character, yeah, I, I didn't mind this as much as random old woman. Random woman just... Just telling a story that doesn't fucking matter. I, I see that scene as a, as a tone setter for the film. Yeah. But yeah, so she, she Dr. Needleman finally gets her on the phone, and he says that, that, that Dwayne reminded him of a patient that they've apparently had in the past... And that he tried to contact the other doctor that was involved in the case, Dr. Lifflander, who we now learn is the guy from the opening. Mm-hmm. And that Dr. Lifflander, when that ketchup was being splurted, we missed out on him being sliced in half. Apparently. Oh, no. But Dr. Cutter says that she doesn't want to talk about this shit because they're not supposed to acknowledge that Yeah, they were. They had uh, any information. I don't know any Dr. Lifflander. We don't know any Dr. Lifflander, neither do you. And good night, and then she goes back to the guy and says, I'm back, Cuddles. Anyway, uh, the receptionist leaves for the day, and Dwayne empties out the basket and tells the whatever it is off camera to, to remember to get the address book. Because in the information that they had, they had information for where Dr. Needleman was, but not where Dr. Cutter was. And they need to find out where Dr. Cutter is. Whatever it is, Belial, of course, as we know, tears the door off of Needleman's office. Most people who are conjoined twins are actually less strong than people who aren't in my... Oh, you mean they're not, they don't have double human strength? (laughs) But Belial, who arguably is missing most of the organs you would need to live. Belial is about a foot and a half tall. Right. On a good day. Belial is is just an is just an impossible creature. Yes. <laughs> he is apparently has enough strength in his arms to just rip a door off by grabbing a door handle and just just ripping it off Superman style. If you were to see something like Belial in real life that was really alive, would that confirm god for you <laughs> would you go like this I th- is a testament to the power of the lord well i am a christian so i already have decided that i believe in god but would this, so, would this be more re- would this be like an affirmation of like 
only through his power is beauty like this possible. I don't think that that would ever occur to me. I think that I would look at it and I would be like, holy shit. I think I would just, like, that thought wouldn't enter my head. I would just be like, this is the insanity that something like this can exist. You'd just be rude and insensitive to this person's condition. Well, I wouldn't say any of these things out loud. You would vomit in their face. Yeah, I would would just exorcist all over this poor creature. I I will say, if, if that ever entered, if any thought of that nature ever entered my head, I might have a thought of the opposite thought of like how can a good god allow someone to exist in this kind of pain i think we need i I think belial should be the new mascot of the catholic church i will say it's an interesting thing in in the sequel the basket case has several has two sequels in the second movie belial is taken in by a a home for unique individuals okay and in a in, in a plot that's actually somewhat inspired by Todd Browning's Freaks. Okay. But because apparently Frank Henenlotter, I ironically, you wouldn't think so, but he actually does care if he offends certain people. Really? He actually made sure that none of he did the research to make sure that none of the quote unquote freaks in his movie resembled any real ailments that anyone could have. Well, great for him. Which I thought was shockingly progressive for an exploitation filmmaker that's that's wonderful it is wonderful so i don't i don't know if the same amount of research went into this movie i'm guessing probably not but it is again his first big feature this is where we get our first real look at belial dr needleman tries to barricade the door once he sees that one of his doors has been ripped off he tries to barricade but he forgets that there's another entrance to his office what what and belial comes in Belial's design, one thing, we, we already pretty much described him, but one thing we didn't mention is that part of the design is that they actually took a mold of the actor who plays Dwayne's face. So the face on Belial is supposed to be Dwayne's face, but because of the articulation that they put in, the fact that they had absolutely no idea what they were doing, and like the big monster teeth that they had to add to mm-hmm. it, I couldn't tell. That it was supposed to be Dwayne's face. Could you? No, no, absolutely not. I don't. I don't think most people who watch this come away thinking, "Oh, good touch that they made that Dwayne's face." I don't think yeah. anybody notices. One thing I will say though, one of the people who did work on the makeup effects is an Oscar winner. This was his first movie. Is it our friend Tom? No, it was not Tom. It was. Uh, I, I. I don't think I wrote down his name, but he's the same guy who ended up doing the makeup for Dick Tracy, which he won an Oscar for. And then he ended up doing the makeup for The Dark Knight. Okay. Which I don't think he won an Oscar for, but it's the it's the fucking Dark Knight. Yeah. He did Heath Ledger's scar makeup and designed it and everything. So, and he got a start on fucking Basket Case. Want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> it's an interesting story. The year is 1981. <laughs> the place, New York. <laughs> Belial jumps on to Dr. Needleman's face. There's a lot of... Actors holding on to puppets, yes, and moving back and forth. We it's it's one of my favorite things in 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 low budget movies when an actor has to really sell that this thing is hurting them. Yes, my favorite example of that is in Hobgoblins. 
Oh, Hobgoblins is up there. That's a really good one. But I was actually going to say it's in Hammer's version of The Hound of the Baskervilles. Okay. Where an actor, the dog that they have is not well-trained enough. He knows he's supposed to be running across a set, but he doesn't know where he's supposed to stop. So an actor in the shot, in the finished movie, literally reaches up, grabs the dog's head, and pulls him down towards his face before starting to scream and wiggle to act like the dog is... But it's clear at that point that the dog is not mauling anyone. Is just yeah. like, okay, this is where I am now. It's shaky! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the... the the creature uh, tears. We then, in a pan shot, we see that, that uh, Dr. Needleman has once again been torn in half, just like the previous Doctor. And again, the guts coming out of his body are mostly the pizza that the crew and Dr. Needleman had been eating earlier. Well, yeah, in the he day. was eating pizza. Pizza's going to come out. Right. Pizza's going to come out of his if body. If you crack open a Ninja Turtle, <laughs> you're going to find 95% pizza in them Tum Tums. <laughs> I wonder if there was ever, with all the toys of the Ninja Turtles that they've released over the years, if there was like a turtle that you could crack open and get pizza pizza out of. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Probably not. We should absolutely we should we should patent this before. Yeah, the the crack open a turtle, get a pizza (laughs) idea. We'll we'll get on the 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 ten most disturbing toys of Christmas list for sure. Let's just go out and start cracking open real turtles, <laughs> hunting for pizza that way. Think of how much money we'll save. Yeah, and uh, again, I mentioned that uh, one of the iconic elements of this movie that people love is the creature screams. Belial yeah. is constantly screaming this this weird raspy electronically produced scream at times it's almost eraser head-esque just this constantly which i still don't know what that means we're well we're saving that for the 25th 25th? episode it's coming soon billy watches eraser head can't wait Um, plug 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 but yeah just this incessantly screaming crying Mm -hmm. blob of flesh distortion of humanity it's a hella unique sound and it does add to the sort of presence of the creature which is obviously not helped by how cheap the puppet is but the the that sound that that sound that sounds like it's a pain for this creature to live would you listen to a cd of this <laughs> not like, for, not like, for very long like whale songs <laughs> i don't listen to whale songs already but people do they do if you search long enough on the internet you can find dubstep remixes of whale song well, I think that's what the whales would want. I, I think so. But yeah, so they, they, they kill they kill Dr. Needleman, and then he gets the address for Dr. Cutter from the address book, and the two escape into the night. So the next day, Dwayne sa- tells Belial that he's going to go out and research Dr. Cutter so they know how to more easily kill her or something. He's, he's just going out to date the receptionist. Yeah. But he leaves Belial with a TV set. That does not work. That apparently does not work. Belial tries to to work it and just ends up snapping uh, off the the knob. What do you think Belial likes to watch? <laughs> that's a good, that's a good question. I think I think Belial likes to watch soap operas. I think he just gets really invested in the lives of all these weird people and likes to imagine himself as a, like a glamorous person like her in those yeah. those soap operas that are always having sex and are like super attractive and rich. You think uh, Belial dreams like a Bob Mackie gown? Sure. Yeah. I think Belial watches a lot of 500 or 700 Club. Loves 
Why do you think that? I think Belial's relationship with Jesus Christ <laughs> is second only to his relationship with Dwayne. You think he's really into seed gospel? Yes. <laughs> Dwayne goes out on a date with this girl, and they end up smooching. Yep. They have a, a good old smooch fest. And Belial flips the fuck Just out. Flips the fuck out. Belial starts was tra- not paying attention psychically to what was going on, but he suddenly psychically got the sense of the kiss, and he just freaks out like the Tasmanian devil. Almost, yeah. There's this is an extended stop motion scene, which Frank Henlotter did himself Sweet. and admits he shouldn't have done because he's too impatient for animation. Yes, according to himself. But I want to say something about this scene where. Uh... Yes. Belial trashes the hotel room. Yes. He, he pops out of the basket and just starts wrecking the place. It's shit like this. Yes. That got Belial canned from the California Raisins. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> he does look like kind of a He was too mouth. rowdy on tour. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's some great moments in here. My favorite moment is is <laughs> where he, he pulls out a drawer from, from a desk of drawers, and the drawer, like just like jump cuts really close to the frame for half a second before they cut to an actual drawer being thrown across the room. The the effects are so marvelously horrible. And this is one of the moments in the movie where it's not intentional that it's horrible. It's no, just, it's, it's just, just, just bad. It's just a really bad effect. And it's, but it still makes me laugh. It's just so fucking funny to me. I have a surprise for you. Oh my God. I brought Belial with me today. Jesus Christ. I have so many. I get so many surprises. I know. In this show. <laughs> uh, well, Belial, come on in. Oh God. Hello, Billy. Oh, hello, Belial. How are you today? I'm doing. I'm doing very well. You, you, you are, are are a lot more refined in your speaking than you are in this movie. Well, you won't believe what happened. What? I was on the streets of London, mm-hmm. and an aristocratic man took me into his house, and taught me how to. Uh, I believe the term is elocution. <laughs> I learned elocution. And oh my he, God. he made me into a refined lady. <laughs> I was wondering about the, the, the magnificent hat and gown that you're yes. wearing. So he took me to a racetrack. I see. I got to see the races. I met some royalty. Uh, I see. Did you and this man fall in love? We did. Oh, good. I ripped his penis off, though. <laughs> oh, no. It's... It, Progress takes time. Progress does take time. Yes. So I guess you're topping from now on. I guess. I guess. Um, it's hard for the dead to do that kind of work. <laughs> oh, is he? Is he dead? Yes. Oh, no, he's dead. <laughs> I thought you just like mangled his penis. I didn't realize he's he's fully a corpse. No, he's dead. <laughs> That's and I bad. just live in his house. You just live in his house. And I I I cut off his face and I put it over mine and. <laughs> Everyone asks, everyone says, why are you so short now? And I was like, I had a bad flu and I lost some body mass, but it's me. Ignore the smell. How is Dwayne these days? Dwayne's dead. Did Dwayne you not see dead? the end of the movie? Well, I've also seen the other two sequels and he's alive in those. Oh, I wasn't in those. That yes, was a, you were. That would no, no, they used my name. Oh, I see. But I was like uh, Jan Brady oh. for those, those TV specials. I refused to be a part of it. <laughs> You're, they had another Darren. Yes. They had another Belial. Yes. Right. That gentleman's name was Corky Sinclair. Corky Sinclair. Yes. Ah, I see. Which I 
Of the Wellington Sinclairs, no doubt. Which might be the name of Christopher Guest's character in Waiting for Guffman. 95% sure it is. I wanted to use the name Corky, and that's the first thing that popped into my mind. Now I've become James Mason. Oh no, his experiment failed! Pygmalion, I am not! I did ADR for James Mason on the verdict. He was not available. He was not available. Oh, I see. They had to put me on a stack of... 20 phone book so I could reach the microphone. He's a very busy man, James Mason. He is, he is. Did you ever get to meet him? I did. I ripped off his penis too. <laughs> but why? That's why on the bloopers for the verdict, <laughs> Paul Newman calls him the dickless wonder. <laughs> how, how many folks have you ripped the dick off? Oh. Let's see. I, because I'm a stupid blob. <laughs> I can't pa- count past 2,000. Oh, so I see. 2,000 plus. Two th- <laughs> That's a lot of dicks. It is a lot of dicks. <laughs> I'm running out of places to keep them. Oh, you keep them. I do. Oh, I, I see. Like, I'm like a... I'm like a a Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, I see. I like to keep a trophy. Right, and usually dicks. Yes, well, you, always dicks. What do you keep if it's a woman? I only kill men now. Oh, I see. You, you changed your ways after this movie. Indeed. I was like, that's, an, that's a toxic personality. <laughs> was this something... Fight the patriarchy, I said. <laughs> was this something that your elocution instructor taught you not to, not to, not to kill women? Yes. Oh, well. He taught me not to kill, but progress takes time. Right, of course. And now he's dead, so I can't learn anything. Right, and you have 2,000 plus penises. Yes. Somewhere in in this man's house. I think I'll try to sell them on Facebook Market. (laughs) Maybe someone has an arts and crafts project that they need some for. Right. I would would recommend Craigslist. That's more of a dick website. I don't know him. I don't know any Craigs. Just do do the Googles, Craigslist. Uh, okay. they, they, that's a great place to sell dicks. I can't read or write or type. <laughs> well, then you're gonna have a problem I didn't get using to go to Facebook shoot. Market. Well, <laughs> I'll just use emojis. <laughs> Never mind. You'll be perfect. All right. You'll be fine. Uh, Belial, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We have the we have the craziest guests on the show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know more fictional people than I know real people. <laughs> I mean, we do have Stan Lee. He's a real person. Well, he's barely a real person. He's a dead man. <laughs> he is a dead man. Like like I said, Belial is freaking out. He's throwing shit all over the place. He picks up the bed and just starts stomping the leg of the bed into the floor. And understandably, the other denizens of the hotel are like, what the fuck's going on? Right, yeah. This causes quite a stir. People are freaking out. They're like, "What? there's like some sort of animal in there. What the hell? So the clerk runs upstairs in one of the many scenes where this guy has to run upstairs and figure shit out. He unlocks the door and comes in right about the time that Belial gets control of himself and shoves himself back into the basket. He's looking around. Oh no, it happened again. (laughs) He's looking around, showing, uh, looking around. The, The whole room is a mess, but they can't figure out what's going on. So he just decides to to leave. But the old guy from earlier who was looking around uh, their room, uh, O'Donovan, that's his name, mm-hmm. sees that in the mess, that fat stack that Dwayne had when he yep. came in is just lying out there. He pretends to leave with everybody else, but I guess the hotel clerk either leaves the door unlocked or he suddenly learns how to... He picks the lock. He picks the lock? Okay. Yeah. Don't know why he couldn't do this earlier, but I guess he's reminded of the cash. He comes back, he picks the lock. 
comes in and he picks up the cash and then he gets greedy and he looks to see what's in that basket. <sighs> Almost got away with it. Almost got away with it. But he had to look in that damn basket. <sighs> really, this is a modern day retelling of the Icarus story. <laughs> It's his hubris. O'Donovan is the central thematic character of this movie. It's a Greek tragedy, really. It is. Yeah, he's, he's, it's, it's, it's his hubris. He, he reached too close to the wicker and and was burned. But yes, Belial jumps out and starts rubbing his fingers on O'Donovan's face, which somehow mm. causes bleeding. O'Donovan starts screaming, and so immediately after the last freakout calmed down, a new freakout begins. Yes. With O'Donovan screaming and running around and Belial attached to his head. The hotel clerk just got back down and now he has to run right back ah, up again. son of a bitch! This is a hotel, it's a madhouse! Runs back up there and they find O'Donovan's body. He's all torn up. His face is slashed to ribbons. Oh, I almost forgot to say, while Belial is ripping O'Donovan apart, this somehow does the same psychic thing that the kissing did to Belial to Dwayne. Oh, yeah, Dwayne's like, oh, no, murder. Dwayne, Dwayne, picks, <laughs> Dwayne picks up on the murder, and apparently they've just been making out in the exact same position this entire time. She's an attractive lady, I would. Sure. But uh, they, they, they suddenly break it off, and he's like, oh, I gotta get back. And she, she chases after him. They run back to the hotel right around the time that they discovered O'Donovan's body, and Belial has disappeared. Dwayne is distraught, He's afraid that Belial, in his jealous rage, will kill his, his girlfriend, too. I keep forgetting her name. Kathy, Cindy, something like that. So he tells her to, to, to fuck off, runs upstairs, can't find Belial anywhere, but he does find a police officer who questions him, asks the perennial question, what's in the basket? They open the basket to see that Belial's not in there, and Dwayne says, nothing? Air, <laughs> our most precious resource. <laughs> Turns out, after the police leave, Belial was hiding in the toilet. Apparently, this scene was inspired by the fact that in the in New York City, this is a fact anywhere, people just leave stuff out that other people can pick up. In the 80s, it was even crazier, uh, and they found a toilet on the side of the road, just, just a lone toilet. Okay. And Frank Hennenlager was like, we could use that. And since it had, like, no back, no plumbing in it, they, yeah. they were able to reach their hands up in it and have Belial come out of the toilet. Fun! So they're like, hey, this, this, we found a toilet, let's use it. So this scene was inspired by that. But Belial climbs out of the, out of the toilet, is just sitting on the toilet while Dwayne talks to him. And they have... Oh, this is where I wrote it down. Dwayne's actor's name is Kevin Van Henterink. Okay. I can't... Qu quite say that, so we'll just keep calling him Dwayne throughout the movie. He promises Belial that he was not abandoning him. He just wanted to have a day to himself. That he will never abandon him. And that they will always be together. And this is where the the heart of the movie comes in, if there is indeed any heart to it. Yeah. The, the relationship between these two incredibly fucked up characters where Dwayne having the ability to have a life outside of their relationship, terrifying to Belial, who arguably has no chance of yes. finding any kind of other relationship outside of his relationship to Dwayne. That's an interesting wrinkle. I don't think the movie does enough with it, or barely anything with it. Sure. There are, um, there are people who, like, 
legitimately, I, again, in my research, legitimately find legitimate pathos in this relationship. Sure, you can find and fucking pathos in anything. That is true. There are people. There are people who can see Space Jam, and there th- are people who think Man of Steel is a good movie. Well, those people are wrong, but I mean. With this one, I can see a little bit more why someone would would think that there's something there. No, I can I can see it, but yeah. I can also see a lot of projecting on this movie. Sure, that absolutely. has a scene that just came because they found a toilet. Right. Yeah. That's that's very true. That's absolutely true. So the next scene, Dwayne and his basket are in a bar, and Dwayne is just absolutely loaded already. Yep. He's, he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink. It's a, it's Casey's. Get together, I think. It's it's some yeah, some bar where Casey either works or hangs out or is having some sort of get together. And Casey, realizing that Dwayne is very depressed, invites him over to her table mm-hmm. so they can just chat and get drunk and, and, and laugh. just hang out and laugh. She asks him once again, watching the basket. Mm-hmm. And we finally get the backstory. Yes. Dwayne explains that the creature's name is Belial. It's his twin brother. That they were conjoined twins. They use an outdated term that I don't feel comfortable using. Sure. Can They can communicate telepathically. Well, at least Belial can with him. He can't communicate back telepathically. Not since they were separated. Not since they were separated. The reason why they were separated is when they were born, their birth killed their mother. Mm-hmm. Their mother died in childbirth. Their father blamed them for it. And all growing up, with the exception of his aunt, everyone who ever met them treated Dwayne as a person and Belial as just a weird abnormality. Yes. They never treated him as a human being or another person. During this, there is a flashback sequence here where we get to see baby Belial mm-hmm. uh, and, and little baby kid Dwayne. Baby Belial. The effects in this sequence are actually, I think, better than most of the rest of the movie. I agree. And I think this is the bit where that guy who went on to become an Oscar winner was mostly working. Because they had like three different makeup people working on the film. Because again, this took a year to make. Yes. And over the course of that time... People come and go. People had to come and go because no one was actually paid to make this movie. All of the money went into getting the locations and getting the film and getting the lab time to edit the the project. So whenever they could get paid work, they would drop they would drop this movie like a hot potato and move on. This flashback sequence for some reason mm-hmm. gave me major Hannibal vibes. Interesting. Like and, the TV show Hannibal. Yes. Yeah. And I sort of wanted Will and Hannibal to like chase Dwayne, like try to, <laughs> like, I try would, to track him down. Like I would go broke paying for this. I mean, it'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> it would be fucking incredible. Just <laughs> I, I, I don't have any legs. I crawl in here. I tear the door off the handle. This, this is, is my, my design. design. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you had a if you had a brother, Will? <laughs> I'm your, I'm your, I'm like your brother, Will. I'm like your lover, Will. I Can we you. ever truly be separated from our kin? <laughs> it just, the show writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> and I got these vibes right up until eventually. Mm. We find out that the operation to separate them was not something that they 
uh, acquiesce to. No, it, it was just sort of sprung on them by their father, who their father apparently a got crazy the crazy um, asshole, a crazy asshole who got the most disrespectable doctors that he could. Yeah, three of the most disrespectable doctors he could find, who would agree to, just to... come into his house in the middle of the night. And chop off Belial with and, the not the intention of saving both lives. No, which is just usually like how people do these operations. No, they just want Belial gone. Belial treated as a tumor. He is. But I was like really enjoying and like jamming on these Hannibal vibes, and then all of a sudden there's a mash unit set up in their kitchen. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. The, we we do get to see almost the entirety of the operation to remove Belial. Yes, fresh hamburger is used for the gore in the sequence. And here's where I realized like. Oh, Dr. Cutter is Dr. Cutter because she cuts. And Dr. Needleman is Dr. Needleman because he was the one using the, 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 uh, he was the, the fucking drugs. Well, no, that's Dr. Lifflander. Oh, really? Okay. Lifflander, Lifflander. Oh, okay. What did Dr. Needleman do? I assume he sewed up something. Oh, okay. I thought he was the druggist guy. Given the budgetary constraints, the fresh hamburger works really well. Uh, this scene was great. It was a great scene. And there's a great shot where after the separation happens, mm-hmm. I think it's Needleman picks up Belial and Dwayne's father sort of helps him lift the blob. Yeah. And it's very reminiscent of a father holding up a newborn. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's yes. good. Yeah. And there's also a very audible and disgusting plop of guts falling out of... Belial's bottom during the sequence. And here's where I noted that the vibe changed, changes here from Hannibal-esque mm-hmm. to a 70s made-for-TV movie <laughs> about the troubles and tragedy, the troubles of raising and the tragedy of being a child with this condition. Right. This yeah. is like Dwayne's boy in the bubble. <laughs> we then find out a Dwayne... Wakes up from the surgery with his his side all taped up. The kid they got to play, Little Dwayne. Great casting. Yeah. I don't know if he was related to the guy who played Dwayne. I couldn't, adult Dwayne, I couldn't find any information about that. But he looks just like him. He doesn't have the same name or anything, but he looks just like him. And uh, he does a pretty good job as well. And he runs out into the darkness to find where the psychic messages are coming from mm. Belial. Belial has been literally thrown out in a garbage bag. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, is horrible. (laughs) It's a child. It's horrible. Yeah. But I was more appalled with the lack of criminal knowledge on the part of everybody (laughs) involved with this amazingly illegal procedure. Like, let's put the body in a garbage bag and leave it for the garbage man. (laughs) Granted, if they... They didn't know Belial was still alive. They well, thought he was dead. That doesn't matter. It still has fucking eyes. If I was a garbage man and I saw that, I'd be like, oh my god, a dead thing. Right, yeah. That might be human. Mm-hmm. Or it might be the world's largest potato. <laughs> Either way, I'm, I'm... Either way, a crime has been committed. I'm bringing this to the circus. That night, in, in one of the most off-brand scenes for this movie, one of the, one of the, the scene that for me felt the most like it came from a completely different film, Dwayne's father is woken up, in the, well, Dwayne and Belial's father is woken yeah. up in the middle of the night by a bunch of noises coming from the basement. He goes down and discovers that they have constructed an elaborate buzzsaw machine, mm-hmm. like something out of Saw that comes rolling down this ramp when the father stands in a very specific position that he quite nicely agrees to stand in. Yeah. 
and the machine comes down and just slices the motherfucker right down the center. Uh, just just vertic- slices him vertically in half. This is another very Herschel Gordon Lewis kill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen many Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, but I have to imagine. It reminded me of a scene from, I believe, Wrong Turn 2. Okay. <laughs> Except in that movie, the special effects are much better, and you get to see much more of the, the bifurcation. Mm-hmm. The aunt that raised that that had stood up stood up for them before, up to and this like point taught them and taught them. Uh, she continues to to raise them at this point. She she takes care of Belial and Dwayne, and she knows that they killed his dad. And she's yep. like, "Fuck it, yeah, fuck him." You guys went through a lot of shit. It, he bastard deserved it. Bastard deserved it. Hey, you got an Italian fro. You're a blob monster. <laughs> Forget about Forget it. Forget about it. So they're raised by by the aunt, and then the aunt passes away, and then we cut back to the present day with Casey helping to walk poor drunk Dwayne and his basket back to his room. He's too blackout drunk to walk, so Casey helps him into bed as well. He's asleep, and Casey gets curious about the basket. Mm-hmm. So she goes and she opens it, but the basket is empty. She then goes back to her own room. And here's where I noted. Yeah. Like, I'd heard this as a sleazy movie. I heard Frank Henlotter is very sleazy, very perverted. Yes. Yes. I was shocked by how little nudity there was in this movie. Yes. Yes. I, I, I was also surprised. I was, uh, we do get it eventually. And it almost yeah. seems like we're about to get it in the scene that comes up. In this scene, yeah. But very little nudity in this movie for how schlocky and sleazy and grindhouse it is. This scene like almost teases you with oh, it how much they you. don't show it. Exactly. The first thing I noticed about the scene, she comes in and and another one of those things the kind of attention to detail you don't usually get in movies like this. They have decided, I don't know if it was the actress's decision or Hannah Lauder's decision, someone decided that Casey loves smiley faces. <laughs> and they have put smiley faces all over her room. She has smiley face pins. She, and the first thing I notice is that she has the exact same smiley face cup that my grandmother had oh, yeah? growing up. So I guess my grandmother knew Frank Hannah Lauder. It, it's that's no, the only, only explanation. Exactly. <laughs> She undresses. She, every time you're about to get nudity, she walks off camera. Yeah. And as she undresses, we get a mm. close-up shot of a shelf of her toiletries. Yes. And every time this movie focuses on an object, no matter how small, yep. I expect Belial to peek out from behind it. <laughs> like it, it could be like it could be like a marble, right. and I'm like waiting for him to just like peek his tiny head out. Yeah. Um which he eventually does. Yeah. After Casey goes back into her room, he peeks out from behind some pillows. Yes. Yeah. She she go she gets into bed. She's going to she's going to sleep it off and Belial peeks out from some pillows. He starts to feel her up. We see uh, her eyes open and I really thought Casey was going to die. I really thought yeah. Casey was going to be killed off, but she escapes. She she, she jumps out of bed, runs out of the room, cl- slams the door shut behind her and starts screaming. The hotel is alive once again. Mm-hmm. Take a drink every time the ho- everyone in the hotel wakes up. <laughs> uh, the, the guy from uh, downstairs has the same dramatic flip open the desk and run up the stairs scene. God damn it! God damn it, this hotel! Just want to eat my submarine sandwich! <laughs> Runs up the stairs. She's freaking out. The crazy lady across the hall 
the what one in the green dress from earlier. Thank you, Mr. Jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's her stay in her room for a while. The 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 guy goes into her bedroom and Belial is, is isn't there. Apparently he's, he's gone he's out the window. Gone out the window. Which uh he's he's a very mobile little spud. Yeah. He he go, I think this is actually when he says it like this this isn't a hotel, it's a madhouse. Yeah. Like it's it oh man. Love this guy. Give him an Oscar. Give him all the Oscars. I, I can't believe he wasn't in more things. <laughs> no, uh, like most of the people in this movie, this is it. Yeah. Like this is this is all. Like there was this, that one movie he made about uh being circumcised, and that's it. Yeah. That's 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 all that they were that they did. The next day they track down Dr. Dr. Cutter. Cutter. And turns out she's a vet. Which is just, you know... Hilarious. Adding insult to injury. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> it's also, yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. They go in and... And in... she was the lead surgeon on that operation, too. Yes. She did all the cutting. She was... No, she... Yeah, <laughs> she was the cutter. <laughs> and they find out that for a vet, for a vet, she has the most staff of any doctor we've seen so far. Yes, she has a receptionist and a nurse who are both played by twin cousins of Frank Henlotter. Oh, fun! They have, I believe, matching casts on their arms <laughs> as well. I don't know why this is here other than to be weird, but I accept it. <laughs> Here's what I assumed. Yeah, I assumed that Doctor Needleman, who's okay. a sleazy sort of prick, yes, has a very attractive secretary sure meanwhile dr cutter a woman right has less attractive personnel okay i think that was sort of maybe the thing yeah but they're twins <laughs> and it's a movie about twins okay it's i don't know it just seems I, like there should be something there but it's it's there I'm, I'm just coming away with nothing it's like antichrist with the arm tree it's yes. like there should be something here but there's nothing and this here comes my favorite scene in the whole movie the it, death of Dr. Cutter? Oh my god, yes. It's pretty great. The, <laughs> Dwayne comes in, and this is where we get the worst, possibly the worst acting in the movie, which just makes it so much better for really, me. Really, I love Dr. Cutter's performance. I love it too, because it's horrible. <laughs> I thought she was fantastic. Okay. Her but acting, I, her, her puppet shaking. <laughs> no, her performance is possibly my favorite performance in the movie. But it, I don't think of it as, like, good acting. Uh, but she was the lead in that movie about the, the circumcision. Okay. Uh, in which she played basically the same character. But uh, she she says, uh, just put your cat right here. And he says, I don't have a cat. What I thought you said, I should tell you how it got hurt. <laughs> it's it. Everybody is badly dubbed. All the yeah. lines are stilted as fuck. And she... Dr. Cutter is the most unrepentant fuck out oh, yeah. of all three of the doctors. The first guy was just scared. Dr. Needleman was a little bit sleazy. But Dr. Cutter is full-on evil. Yeah. And she is just, like, bragging about how he should be thanking her. And finally she asks, what's in the basket? Uh, she opens it. Belial jumps out. And my year has been made. <laughs> 2021 can suck from here on out. I got to see this scene. Yeah, you, out of all the actors, like her shaking the puppet around, it's the best out of the movie. She's freaking out. She all she scree her screams are fantastic. She reaches into a drawer to try and grab a scalpel, a scalpel to fight Belial, which but I then, thought was great. Yeah, and then Belial shoves her head into the scalpel drawer. I'm not sure the physics of that. Oh, it or doesn't how, make sense at all. Or how all of these lying vertical scalpels. <laughs> 
end up in Dr. Cutter's face. In her face. And she, like, leans back out of it and looks directly into camera and lets out the longest, most high-pitched scream. And I, I, this is not a lie. This scream gave my cat a panic attack. (laughs) My cat was hanging out with me when I was watching this movie. And this scream is, like, right at that tonal level where a kitten is mm-hmm. and my cat just was like freaking out trying to figure out where the baby cat was <laughs> in the apartment that was in pain but this scream goes on for so long and it's so good and this is also the best gore moment of the movie for me it just like having all the knives sticking out of the yeah. face yeah it was pretty good it's the most iconic it, it, i don't know if it's the most iconic kill because i don't know what people remember from this movie but for me it's the most iconic moment of the film and the scene that for me kind of in encapsulates the tone of the film i'd agree with that yeah we then follow this up with Dwayne and belial coming back to the hotel dr needleman's receptionist meets them there and she's just discovered that dr needleman is dead because mm-hmm. she has off on wednesdays <laughs> that's right it's actually very it's it's Smart plotting. It's like that is smart plotting. Why yeah. wouldn't she know sooner? She has off on Wednesdays, right? Yeah, that's when they had their date scene. Exactly. Which, and but she's like, I, I, I just, I, need I, to I can't be, stop thinking about you, Dwayne. I, I can't stop thinking about you, Dwayne. Through all this terrible stuff that was happening, I just want to be with you, Dwayne. And who the fuck wouldn't? Who who wouldn't? Dwayne. Uh, after Dwayne. and after all those two have been through, every, uh, Dwayne is the man that every woman wants to be with, and every man wants to be with. Exactly. He's he's the best. And she comes into his room. She comes into his room. They start kissing. And Belial, uh, cock blocker that he is. Well, not yet. First, they 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 go down on the bed, and there's a scene of 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 Dwayne very slowly grasping her boobicles, mm-hmm. and she and she at, tells him to take her, and that is when. Belial pops up like a jack-in-the-box. I said, take this! <laughs> uh, basket cases is the concept that um, your that manga guy... Uh, Junji Ito? That Junji Ito wishes he came up with. I, I could see this being a Junji Ito story. I could definitely see. Actually... Can we just start a campaign for Junji Ito to do a manga adaptation of Basket Case? <laughs> he's done Frankenstein. He and has. He's done... Uh, so he's he's not above adapting another person's work. No, and he's done uh, a very straightforward adaptation of a Japanese work called No Longer Human. Not familiar. Uh, which is a, a very dramatic, heavy work. Sure. Um, so I think you got to handle Basket Case. Sure. Do, do, do Basket... But I want him to do all three movies. Okay. <laughs> just because... Just, just so that we can see him, because we know that he loves to draw fucked up shit. Yeah. And Belial is a great thing for him to work on, but he needs more. Yes. He needs more fucked up shit, so he'll have to bring in the mo- the rest of the movies. But Dwayne is, is freaking out listening to whatever Belial is saying to him psychically, and he's holding her down. Yes. And she's freaking out, trying to get out of there. And finally and he wraps, wraps her, her in a blanket. In, in a blanket. And throws her out. This is probably the moment in the movie I understand the least. Yeah, I do fucking... I, <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck is going on. The only thing I can assume is he wrapped her up in the blanket so she wouldn't see Belial. Well, that... I, I, hate, late. To, I hate to say it, but that's that cat's out of the basket. Yes. <laughs> Dwayne doesn't seem like a smart man. No, he's not a smart man, no. But yeah, he 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 throws he he wraps her up like a fireman wrapping someone up in a blanket and throws her out of the. Here's door. the most inexplicable moment. Yeah. Then she wants back in the room. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. She doesn't just like head just, for the hills. Fucking. It's because Dwayne's so irresistible. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But she, if 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 they had cast a less charismatic actor, it would be unbelievable. But the fact that they cast him, yes, like yeah, uh, but he does not let her back in. He doesn't let her back in, and once again, the he's... entire hotel wakes up. Everybody's rushing in, take a shot, and he's <laughs> having words with Belial. And yep. here's where I started to imagine that this was a Jim Henson biopic. <laughs> this is just like an ugly muppet he couldn't make work, and just like haunted him. It's like, God damn it, why can't you be Kermit? Hiripped Kermit's dick off. That's why he has no dick. <laughs> So Dwayne is sobbing, telling telling Belial he'll kill him and, and, and freaking out. And we fade out from that scene, because who who wanted to know how that was gonna end up? And we cut back to Dwayne sleeping and Belial escaping from his basket and with and his eyes glowing, jumping out into the night. This was my favorite single shot of the film. Mm-hmm. This awesome, awesome close up of Belial. The uh, effect looking fantastic. Yes. Uh, the uh, the red glowing eyes looks tremendous. It does. Yeah, absolutely. And he jumps out of the window going <sighs> like a little monster thing that he is. And then we have a dream from Dwayne of him streaking through the New York City we streets. We finally get some nudity. We do. And it's Dwayne. And honestly, this is the most nudity you will get. There is nudity later. Yes. But the, like... This is the most nudity. And uh, Dwayne has a pretty full bush. Yeah, he so does. So we do not see a lot of his ding-dong. No, but, it, but is, uh, it is present. As much as I love female nudity, sure. I always appreciate male nudity as well because I, of just I, yeah. equity. Just just because of equity. Like, yeah. like there's, there's very... There is, I think, in terms... If, if you were to count all the nude scenes, there are far more female nude scenes than male nude yes. scenes. Because of the fucking patriarchy. And it's nice when a movie will go the other way. Yeah. By the way... I mean, it almost goes without saying because it is a Hen and Lauder production, and we already talked about how little money they had. They didn't get a permit for this. No, the actor just ran nude through the streets of New York. Everybody's would, talking at me. They 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 swept the streets. They they would make sure there wasn't any broken glass or shit out yeah. there for him to hurt himself in on. case he falls. And right, and then they would wait for cars to go by, and then they would be like, "Go, go, go!" And they would just film him streaking through New York City. So, props to that actor. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it was probably fucking cold. Probably. Yeah. He then dreams of climbing into the receptionist's apartment and uh, feeling her up as she sleeps. This is where we get the only female nudity. Mm-hmm. Not full frontal, just just boobs. Just some, yep. But it, it does still feel a little bit more invasive than most nude well, scenes for me. Well, it's technically a rape scene. Because it is a rape scene. Well, yeah, he, he does get on top of her and start raping her. We we find out that this is the psychic link and that yes, Belial is doing at this. her apartment. And but there's, even before the rape actually begins, there's like a... a, a, a Quite a bit of him, like feeling her up and like touching yeah, it's her. Very sensual. Touching I her agree. breasts. No, I'm not saying. No, that, yeah, it's very erotic. That's not what it's, I'm trying to oh say. My God, yeah, it feels like a... very invasive, is what I was trying to say. It feels more invasive than most nude scenes. Gotcha. Even before the rape begins, but then he starts. He starts raping her, which again, I'm not sure how Belial has a dick. Oh no. Yeah, but he has a dick. I, I don't know. I was very confused, but probably the most. Eventually, Dwayne realizes that he, what's going on. He wakes up and realizes that he's been having psychic visions of Belial raping his uh, unconscious girlfriend. And thankfully, he somehow knows where she lives. 
Well, he picked her up on Wednesday. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Wednesday is the key to this whole story. Son of a bitch. The movie should have been called Hump Day. Maybe it's not too late. The most striking scene, the most striking image, aside from the red eyes, the close-up, yeah. for me, is when, like we said, Dwayne goes to her apartment and he bursts in. We should mention that while he's running to her apartment, Belial, she wakes up mid-rape. Yes. And Belial reaches up and like snaps her neck or something. It's not clear, but he kills her. Yes. And then just keeps humping the corpse. Yes. Yeah. So the most, the most, the scene that is most like what I was expecting from Frank Hennelotter. The fucked up moment. Is yeah. when Dwayne comes in. She's dead. Yeah. Belial is over her groin. Presumably just, fucking her. Just fucking her, yeah. And there's blood all around her area. Yes, yes. And I is. was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little closer to what I was expecting. I see you, basket case. <laughs> I see your potential. Like a young urban youth. <laughs> who's learning that poetry is just another way to rap. Brad is your Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah. It's going to raise you up out yeah, of this film. No, Sandra Bullock is like the scene in Basket Case where Belial is raping a corpse. And his his formerly conjoined brother witnesses it. Witnesses it and, and like pulls him up and out of her. Yes. And stuffs uh, him back in the basket. But this is where, and you might disagree with me. Okay. I think you will. Okay. That understandably a rift occurs between these two. (laughs) Now, I know you're on the side of family no matter what. To a certain extent, I suppose. (laughs) I think this is a deal breaker. I think this is when you cut ties. I think... I think I might cut ties with my brother if, if if I found out that he had murdered my wife and was raping her corpse. Yeah, I think I might cut ties. There is a scene... So this scene... I had read in some reviews that this was a scene where the crew walked off the set when seeing the scene. I was able to find it. Thankfully, Hennen Lauder is very open about everything. Mm-hmm. So you can basically find an interview. You Google Hennen Lauder and then any phrase, you could probably find him talking about it. So I was able to find him talking about this exact instance. Hennen Lauder, who killed MLK. <laughs> I don't know. So even though Hen and Lauder's voice is not anything close to this, this is my Hen and Lauder voice whenever reading, because it sounds like, it sounds right. To quote Hen and Lauder, yeah, some crew walked off, but the crew was maybe four people who walked <laughs> off. It was the scene where the monster was on top of the girl. They weren't offended by that. They were offended when I walked over and poured blood all over her groin. She didn't care, so why should they? They started bitching and complaining, and I said, get the hell out of here! Who cares? So for the rest of the filming of that scene, the actor who played Dwayne was most of the crew. Beautiful. <laughs> I love guerrilla filmmaking. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Ah, uh, man. <laughs> anyway, so Dwayne literally gathers up Belial in the basket. Come here, you little rape monster. <laughs> Let's get you back home. I bet you're tuckered out. <laughs> and starts running, starts frantically running back home to, to the hotel while... Literally slamming the basket into the scenery yep. as they go. Like, he's just... He is pissed. He is he is pissed at Belial. So, back at the hotel, in their room. In their room. Now we have the final struggle. The final struggle. Now there. we have the uh, Jimmy Stewart and James Mason on top of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> and uh, North by Northwest moment. <laughs> 
I'm so glad you finally saw that movie recently so that you could make that reference in yeah. our basket case episode. <laughs> That was prime viewing in order to understand Basket Case. Well, I'll tell you what. What? <laughs> I enjoy Frank Henlotter more than I enjoy Alfred Hitchcock. Well, that's saying something. Well, there you go. Okay. Belial's in the basket, and, and Dwayne is just screaming at the basket. The hotel, once again, is set ablaze. Take a shot. They, they, they What's a story? <laughs> Morning glory. What's the word? Hummingbird. They break open the door, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And Dwayne tells them to shut the fuck up and get out. Get out! Don't look at me! And Belial takes this opportunity to pop out of the basket once again, reach over, grab... Dwayne oh yeah, he grabs by the dick. Dwayne, Dwayne by the dick and lifts <laughs> and him lifts up. lifts him up for <laughs> no reason other than a show of pure strength. Just this poor like show a of pure strength. Fucking Panamanian strongman. <laughs> Flexing the might of his hooter. And of course, they, they add the sound effect of crunch to the, just to add to it. And the actor who plays Dwayne is just full on uh, snowman, snow angeling in the air, going, ah! That he's screaming, Belial is screaming, Casey is screaming, the whole cast is screaming. Belial lets him down. And then jumps on the Belial's let him down in a lot of ways, I think. <laughs> the rape and murder of his girlfriend. Yeah. Number one. Number one. But yeah, so he, he jumps on Dwayne's face. Belial doesn't have that many moves. No. They they struggle with each other and then smash out of the window. Out through the window like it's tracks. Like it's tracks. Belial is is holding on to the to the hotel sign, sign, which was apparently just a sign that they had, and they hung off of a fire escape outside of one of their friend's apartments. Nice. So Belial's holding on to that, and he's holding Dwayne by his throat. Yes. <laughs> and Belial seems confused that he is strangling the light out of Dwayne. <laughs> to be fair, the way that it's constructed, Belial looks confused most of the movie. True. Yeah, it's just the way that's constructed, really. But there is this great thing where Belial seems to be both trying to save Dwayne and kill Dwayne. Yeah, it's a very, very conflicted relationship. In this and family. he ends up killing Dwayne. He ends up strangling Dwayne to death. There are a bunch of prostitutes on the street below who, who are shocked are like, by this hey, display. Hey, look at that up there. What is that up there? Which I don't think a 1981 New York prostitute would be phased <laughs> by this. I think they would just look up and be like, ah, you're be- blocking the light. <laughs> must be Thursday. It's not Wednesday. That was yesterday, oh. I know, because of the girl. <laughs> That's when Kathy has off. <laughs> That's when Kathy has off. But then Belial finally loses his grip and they fall, presumably to Belial's death. But of course, in the next movie, we find out they were both just unconscious and they both survived. But at least for this movie, they are both dead. And this evoked very, very strong whiffs of a movie I have not seen, King Kong. Oh, yeah. Where all I could think at the end was... I was genuinely expecting the hotel clerk to come out and was like, "'Twas beauty that killed the beast! <laughs> I was waiting for that, too. <laughs> you were not alone. Honestly, not sure why they didn't do that. <laughs> because, what the fuck? It's, it's basket case. It's not like you're gonna lose your dignity with a dumb gag. <laughs> and you could even switch it up. "'Twas basket case that killed the beast. <laughs> But that is basket case. Do you have anything else you want to add? Case. Oh, there was one final quote from Frank Henenlotter I wanted to include that seemed to kind of encapsulate the movie. This is from an interview where he was talking about the legacy of the movie now that it is being preserved in the Museum of Modern Art. He says, 
they sold it as a midnight film, and I was completely caught off guard by the popularity of it. It played Midnight's here in New York for two and a half years in the same theater. I just couldn't make sense of it. I still can't. I don't understand the popularity of the film. Your Frank Hanlotter is just Peter Falk. It is. We, all but as all a man, of our voices are just yeah, Peter Falk. <laughs> it's so fun to or do. Or James Mason. Yes. I'll do it as James Mason. <laughs> uh... I don't know why people like it. People tell me why they like it, but I'm still baffled by it. What can I say? The fact that we have it coming out on Blu-ray just confounds me. I got it the other day and shook my head and said, I don't believe this thing. It won't die. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts on Basket Cake? Not really. It, it, again, it's not... It's not a movie that's not worth seeing right it's just not something that i would like highly recommend i i don't think i don't think it's something that you're going to be watching ever again probably now that you have probably not you've checked it off the list Um, exactly and that's the way i am with a lot of movies even fantastic movies sure but it's definitely worth seeing for its place in film canon especially the weirder side of film absolutely exploitation the Mm. the genre stuff yeah but um yeah, no, it's... And given that this is actually a lot tamer than I think either of us were expecting... Yes. It's almost a good, like, gateway film for weirdness. It really is. If you if the um, weirdest that you've ever gone is, like, a Friday the 13th sequel... Or a Tim Burton movie. Or a Tim Burton movie, uh, this, this might be a good way for you to escalate yourself into weirder... Yeah, and, depraved shit. And this is definitely a thing where it can be like a campy watch. Can be like a, a I'm mean, so this good. Could it's def- bad watch. This could definitely fit in with a bad movie night. Even though I would argue that it's better than most bad movies. It is, and it's definitely a different kind of bad. Yeah, it's, it's more of it's, a we just didn't have any money kind it's, of bad. Exactly, it's low budget. It's not low talent. Right. Although yeah. the acting is low talent. <laughs> it's they do their best. It's, it's adorable. It's adorable. It's an. I don't know. It, it, see it if you're curious about its place in film history. Sure. All right. And I, my argument is just see it because it's fucking fantastic. Sure. Uh, thank you for listening.